Welcome to Porsche Paddock with Bracken Helms, the show where we hear Bracken and his distinguished guests from the Porsche community patter on about Porsches and all things automotive. Porsche Patter is sponsored by Circuit 64. Circuit 64 creates authentic automotive apparel made for like-minded automotive enthusiasts. The links for Circuit 64 are in the show notes. Okay, let's get to it. Jerry Woods, part one. In part one, we go into Jerry's path into cars and racing. A little highlight of who Jerry Woods is. IMSA Mechanic of the Year, 1977. 1979, Paul Newman, the Tropicana Car, Garrison Enterprise, Dick Barber Racing, among many other racing teams. When you open up your car magazines or go to fancy car shows and there's a hot rod or a high-end air-cooled build and they tout engine built by Jerry Woods, this is our guy. You will hear noises in the background. The shop was closed, but there was still one guy working. This was back when I used to transcribe my interviews, but still even the best audio equipment's not going to save you from shop noises. As I'm getting ready to post and I'm listening to part one, I can't help but be a little saddened because he talks about Clark Anderson. And it wasn't that long ago. It seems like just the other day, but it must have been a couple months ago I was talking to Clark Anderson on the phone. And he was super knowledgeable, super fun guy to talk to. And I was coming up to talk to him, interview him. And he just kept talking to me on the phone. I kept like having to hit the brakes. Hey, hey, you know, when I come up there, it'll be a good time. You know, we'll put it on some proper audio and we'll do this the right way. You know, and he just kept wanting to talk. (laughs) Well, at the Lit Show just a couple weeks ago, I got news that Clark Anderson had passed away. But here's part one of Jerry Woods. What is Jerry Woods Enterprise? What is Jerry Woods Enterprise? I think we're a, a specialty Porsche shop that does any racing, preparing race cars, vintage cars, uh, restoration of vintage cars. And we kind of do all aspects from doing engines, transmissions, chassis, and for want of a better term, a whole enchilada, you know. But, you know, we can, we have the ability and what we can't do, we have contacts for and we farm it out. But, you know, I started working at Bob Gerritsen, Gerritsen Enterprises, and Bruce Anderson. Bruce Anderson was my real mentor uh, in 1975. I kind of was getting out of college, and I was working at a Volkswagen shop, and the guy that uh, was lettering our race car at the Volkswagen shop said, hey, you need to go talk to these Porsche guys up in Mountain View. And so that's what I did, and kind of got hooked. Kind of a combination between racing and a hobby and a job. Jerry Woods Enterprises grew out of that. I had gone to worked in Germany for a couple of years. Bob and Bruce sold Garrettson Enterprises to a guy that wanted to run it like a Ford dealership. And Porsche customers are a little bit more knowledgeable than the average Ford owner. And he couldn't shovel enough uh, uh, fake news their way. The business was crumbling. So I, I left in 89. And I started Jerry Woods Enterprises in probably 1990. I came here. There was another vintage car collector. His name was Dave Morse and had a company here. And he encouraged me to come. I had the back half, kind of where this back half of this bay here, and I was doing the engines for Dave and other people. And it just grew. And uh, my partner, Rich Walton, came online in 1995. 
I had a degree in engineering. He had a degree in finance. So we were able to keep control of the direction of the company. And he uh, allowed the thing to grow and grow. And we finally, Dave sold all of his collection of cars and, and we bought the, the business, the more speed business that belonged to him, which included the body shop and things like that. So we were able to keep the synergy of building race cars and being able to do the bodywork, paint, etc., at the at the same facility. You know, when you, if you can do it in house, it's easier to control than having to farm out some jobs. Right. So, yeah, I've gotten a few different interpretations of what happened to Gerritsen Enterprise. They well, mostly, they mostly all, correlate, but there's a little bit. It was a pretty good shop. It was a really good shop. We did a lot of really. Uh, the racing era, you know, from the beginning, with we started with <coughs> Walt Moss in 1976 with a 914.6. 1977, we won the IMSA GTU championship with that car. It was a lot of collection and really cool thing about all the race team. The basis of the race team from Garrettson Enterprises was Porsche Club's uh, members that would come and help participate in the evenings and on the weekends. Yeah. A lot of volunteer help. Very valuable. You guys pretty much do everything in-house, whereas, like, those without the know, they just kind of assume that it's mostly, like, engine building. Right. I mean, you see the, oh, engine built by Jerry Woods, you know. Yeah, you see that. You have pe- people will call up and say, yeah, I, built, I bought this car, and it was made built by Jerry Woods Enterprise, or Jerry Woods built it. I will, sometimes it's like, well, tell us a little more about that. And sometimes it's, well, we sold some parts for it, or oh, we yeah. dynoed the motor for somebody. You know, everybody wants to tag my name onto it, yeah. which is sometimes uh, it's nice that people think that, but then sometimes they're using the name or the quality that we try to put out to cover up something that somebody else did, you know? Yeah. There seems to be some shaky stuff, not with like anything to do with you, but there seems to be a lot of shaky stuff. Now what yeah, we, tra- we just had an engine that a guy, a, a long time customer on and off great guy brought in and this didn't know the history of this car. It was supposed to be a two liter in the nine fourteen six. Right away, it's not a two-liter motor because it's got the wrong crank in it. It's got a longer stroke crank, and then you have something that's pinging when you drive it, and you can't get it timed right, and you start chasing it down. And finally, he says, open the motor up and find out what's going on. And we open it up. Well, the pistons were hitting the head. You know, there wasn't enough deck height. Um, it had 12.7 to 1 compression in it. Well, this is a street car. You know, you can't run that kind of compression on pump gas, you know. Yeah. And you run into this stuff, you know. What were, what are, sometimes it's like, what are people thinking? There's a lot of guys that just don't know, you know. And, you know, I come from a background of engineering where I can actually, you know, we measure the compression and we know what it is. You know, I design pistons so that I know what the dome's going to create, you know. And yeah. these, it's amazing what other people do. They, a lot of the Porsche world, unfortunately, they buy parts that are, oh, yeah, you just buy these and bolt them on. But they don't examine the whole package. You know, even like you say, you know, Porsches used to be more cookie cutter um, because you could, ju- you could just literally buy parts and bolt them on. <clears throat> but as things wear out or get older, the cases have to be machined, things change, and you have to be aware of the tolerances and, and 
the, what's required. When I, I went to, I spent a week going to a, a Chevy engine builder's facility one time to sort of one of the car owners. We had a Chevy powered uh, march, and the car owner wanted me to go down and learn about Chevy motors. And uh, the gentleman's name was Franz Weiss. He built all the Chevy motors for uh, Penske, the, the Cosworths and the four cam motors. Been around <coughs> VDS engines was the the name of the business in Midland, Texas. And Franz said, "Yeah, well, like a Chevrolet motor." He says, "I'll spend fifty to seventy hours remachining a brand new block to get it in the right specs." Well, in the Porsche world, you don't have to ever do that in the old days. Now, then things are getting old and worn out. Nine eleven cases, it's a different story. You have to start really examining the line bore and the deck heights and what's happening because of age. But, you know, 30 years ago, you know, a lot of guys just you know, buy the parts, put new parts on, go, you know. Yeah. And they got away with it, basically. So, What attracted you to Porsche? Primarily because I was I was a starving student, and I started working on Volkswagens, and I was doing Volkswagen motors at a shop in Santa Clara. You know, I got to the point where I was doing a motor a day. Every I put it in an eight-hour day, and I was doing a motor a day. It got real boring. And like I say, the sign painter that came by and worked on our race car said, go talk to these guys at this Porsche shop in Mountain View. Then you, it was a motor every two weeks. You know, it wasn't nearly as boring. Plus, we got into some racing, and the, the excitement of that was so entertaining. How, how did you get into the Volkswagen shop? Or you just Well, I, I owned a, t- a type of bug. And like I say, I was a starving, you know, college student with no money. So I started working on the car myself. Where were you going to school? Uh, University of Santa Clara. So I was, you know, I, I learned by reading books and by doing. And then later on, in the when we started racing the 935s in 1977, 78, with Dick Barber, you know, every summer when we'd go to Lamar, I'd go hang out at the Porsche factory for a week and two weeks and see what what's new and pick up things from the guys there too. What car did you get introduced to Porsche with? In 1975 at Gerritsen Enterprises, we were actually at that time working on a um, off-road uh, dune buggy kind of a car that was being raced at a local track in Fremont. And there was a local kid named Gary Lee Kenoyer that was driving the car uh, for us. We were we put a 914 motor into that car, and we're doing real well with it. And then we got involved with going to Pikes Peak, actually, in 75 and 76. 1975 when we started that whole project. And 1975, we went to uh, Pikes Peak with Roger Mears as, as the driver. And he didn't qualify the car because he dropped, in qualifying, he dropped it off the mountain. Not, it didn't hurt anybody or hurt him, but we didn't get a qualifying time. So 1976, we decided we had to go back. We, meaning Gerritsen Enterprises and the other car people involved with the car program. I was just a mechanic um, at the time. Went back with four cars. So we didn't put all our eggs in one basket. And we had uh, Roger Mears, his younger brother, Rick, who's become well-known, yeah. Rick Mears, and then Gary Lee Knoyer from... Scotts Valley, and then uh, Rick's one of Rick's sponsors. In the uh, he was running a Formula A car in SCCA as a, a dentist, Doc Sowers. So we had four cars back there, and we ended up winning Bike Speak in 1976. 
which was kind of cool. So that was more of a race car. It wasn't really a Porsche car. Right. You know, it kind of looked like one of these, you know, in some respects. That was 1971. I think I saw the picture of it, or a picture yeah, like that in uh, Garrison's house yeah. before he moved. I don't know. He's like in West Virginia now, I think. Yeah. So anyway, I got, then, you know, in 1976, Walt Moss came to the company and was talking about, built, he'd been running Dotsons here locally in SCCA, and he uh, was going to get involved with wanting us to build a, an e-production 914, and the uh, the owners at Garrettson Enterprises, which were four brothers, uh, basically talked him into, probably Bruce and Clark Anderson talked him into, uh, wait a minute, you don't want to go into, you know, SCCA is, you know, just amateur racing. You Join IMSA and do a professional thing and do a 914.6 and GTU. And Walt says, okay. So we did that. We ran six races that year. Um, a lot of it was a trial year. And then 1977, they decided to run run for the championship, and we ran 11 races. We won eight. We finished second, third, and fourth in the other three. So we uh, sewed up the IMSA championship. So that was a pretty exciting yeah. period of time. Yeah, right. You know, you know, I was awarded the IMSA Mechanic of the Year for 1977, which is a pretty good, big, big honor. Yeah. And then uh, so right at the end of that year. Bob had hooked up with Dick Barber and got involved with running his 934, 935 program through 1980. We won the IMSA championship in 1980 with that car, the Sachs 935. So that was an exciting period. You know, I, so I was mainly involved with the racing program, but also doing all the streetcar, a lot of the, all you know, Garrettson Enterprises doing the, Street engine builds for street cars. See, yeah, when I went to see them, I didn't know that they were like a street tuner, I guess is what you would say. Or Yeah, it was. It was a shop that was more, um, we did street uh, repair, lube and oils, clutches, shocks, all that sort of thing. And I, But I ran and mainly worked in the unit room. I was just doing engines and transmission, not working on the cars so much. But I also did a lot of fabrication work. Learned how to do that as time went on. So, you said four brothers. I knew Clark and Bruce. And then Bob Garretson and his brother. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Fred Garretson. So, how many brothers did he have? Was Because I know Fred worked. I know, yeah, Fred worked there, but then he said he had a brother that lived down at like a turbo place. Well, Fred Garretson was Bob's older brother, and Fred worked for Garrett Air Research. Okay. Who built, you know, Garrett Air Research builds turbochargers. Okay. And, so, you know, I mean, they do a lot of things, but it's, that was another complete industry. And Bob worked in the electronics industry in, in Silicon Valley. Right. And he was, and, and Bob and Bruce kind of started building, you know, working on cars in, in their garage, you know, and then they got a, a shop off so they had more space. And then, so it was Bob and Bruce, and then Clark got involved. Bruce's younger brother. Yeah, I, I remember when he started talking about semiconductors. Because I was asking him, like, what did you do before this? And he's talking about semiconductors. And I'm like, I have no idea what you're talking about. I don't know anything about semiconductors. Yeah. <laughs> First ride in a Porsche. Well, in, in, I was started working at the shop in, in January 1975. 
and it was probably February of 1975, I had the opportunity to buy 914.6. One of the customers was selling it, so I got to where I borrowed some money, and so I bought I paid $5,000. It was a gorgeous, wonderful car. I owned it from January 75, or February of 75, till I sold it in 1989. Why did you get involved with the Porsche business? It was kind of an accident. <laughs> yeah, Bruce said, or not Bruce, uh, Bob. Bob said you just kind of stumbled in there one day. Well, it was it was related to the the sign painter. Right, his name was Pat Gaines. He was lettering the cars at, at Garrettson Enterprises. When did you leave Garrettson Enterprises? You kind of talked about that. Yeah, when when the when the business got sold in 1989, I think it was. 1977, you won the IMSA Mechanic of the Year. Yeah. Yeah, we kind of talked about that. And that was with the 914? Yeah, the 914.6 of Walt Moss's car. It was actually a three-way partnership in that car, as I recall. It was Gerritsen Enterprises, a company called Automotion, which was a parts business. Okay, yeah. And then Walt Moss. So the, those three entities funded the, the program. So that had to have been pretty exciting. Pretty exciting. Well, it was. It was. And then, you know, we, in those days, we trailered the car from racetrack to racetrack on an open track and a trailer behind a three-quarter ton Ford van. And there was a Porsche Club member, John Clever was his name, and he drove. He wasn't employed. He was retired. He drove the car all over to what racetrack to racetrack. And we'd go to certain tracks and get local Porsche Club members to help John and I. John and I were the official crew away from home. Clever was the one that rode with Bob when they did the lap across America, one something. Yeah. John was an expert uh, rally guy. Okay. So that was his forte, but he was... So Bill Patton tells me this story about, and then I asked Bob, and Bob says he doesn't remember it ever happening, but it's possible it happened. But Bill says that during that, they went in one of the, one of the legs of that one lap, whatever it was, they had to go around a track at the end. Yeah. And the, the two of them fell asleep at the wheel and they went through the middle of the track. Do yeah. I, any of this? I don't know much about that. He story. tells me this story all the time and I'm just, okay. Um, Bill Bill's a pretty good storyteller. Bill used to have he was a he was one of the most outlandish, charismatic guys in Golden Gate Region Porsche Club. He was so much fun. He put on events that were just a hoot. And uh, yeah, I, when I run into I see Bill from time to time, and he was a great great friend when i first met him i like i was just at easy and he just came up and i started talking to him and i'm like oh is that your car and i point to a 914.6 and he's like yeah after like an hour he's like no not the 914 the art car i'm like oh you're the panorama art car that 968 he's like yeah but yeah i thought he was so full of shit when he first started talking to me i'm just he had all these (laughs) stories and i'm like there's no way this there's no way all this happened to this guy that's it. It, it did happen. Yeah. <laughs> He's bonkers, though. So, you were around John Fitzpatrick, Ralph Stromlin, Paul Newman, Ray Hall. How was it around all these people, or what do you have to say about any of them? Oh, they were all phenomenal people, you know. Paul was a, he. you know, he was in the era of racing in those days. We had celebrities, car owners that drove, as well as professional drivers. And Paul was, uh, he was probably the top 
of the non-professional racers. And he won a lot of SCCA races in, with Nissan. So he was a talented driver, and he was a lot of fun to be with. I have to say, if there was a downside, it was having to deal with the crowds. Yeah. You know, because, you know, anywhere he went, it was like you had, you know, 100,000 people following him. And, you know, like at Le Mans, we had to put up ropes to pull people out of the way to so we could bring the car in for pit stops. You know, it was just, it was nuts. Yeah. But he he was a lot of fun. Uh, you know, he loved having a, a couple of cold beers at the end of the day. You know, <laughs> the only thing is he drank Budweiser, you know, and it's like, <laughs> but it was good. Uh, Rolf Stallman, super guy, super guy. I was the Riverside the day he died. Uh, I was probably, I probably talked to him about a half an hour before the race, you know, and, uh, that was a very sad day, very sad day. And the saddest part of that day, I mean, before the side that he passed away, I was also working on the Wayne Baker's 934 GTO car, and we won our race, the GTO race that day. So it was kind of a bittersweet. Bittersweet. That's right. You know, we won, but Rolf was no longer with us. Yeah. Um, John Fitzpatrick, we still touch base every once in a while, get to dinner. Phenomenal drivers. You know, 935s were cars that were not. Easy cars to drive. Took a different kind of a talent. They had a, a locked rear end, and you, you you drove them a lot with the right foot. Right foot more than the steering wheel, I would say. You know, I mean, I'm not a driver, but that's my interpretation. John could handle one of those cars like nobody's business. And uh, my partner, our ex-roommate, Martin Raff and I, and Raffoff and I, We've, we kind of singled down to the top 935 drivers in the world. There's probably three. And that would have been, uh, Rolf, uh, Bob Wallach, and John Fitzpatrick. They, they could really drive a 935. The guy that I would have liked to seen drive one that would have been very interesting. I've always said it was a guy named Steve Kinzer that runs sprint cars. You know, if you could drive a dirt track car as well as he could, you could probably dirt track a 935. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, Bill Patton said that Paul Newman was just like an average guy. He was just like yeah, no like prima donna about none, him. none, not he at all. Said Ray Hall was Mister Family Man. He'd want to talk cars with him, and all Ray Hall oh, wanted to do well, was talk 19, about his family. Nineteen eighty-one, when we when Bobby was driving the nine thirty-five for us, he and his wife would we'd get to like at Road Atlanta. They were staying in a little motorhome, and we'd stop at the, uh, the convenience store on the way in and get eggs and bacon and orange juice and stuff and. He and Debbie would make us breakfast. <laughs> you know, yeah. that's changed since he won Indy. <laughs> not, not much, you know. He says, but, but he said Fitzpatrick was too proper for him. He's just like, I just wanted him to say, like, drop some swear words occasionally, but he was just such a gentleman. <laughs> yeah, that's probably very true. Um, but, but, you know, again, John was a professional, you know. He did a, a phenomenal driver. I mean, well, he won the championship in 1980. Right. You know. Thanks for joining us for today's episode. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe, comment, like, and share with your friends. Feel free to send questions or suggestions to the email in the description of the show. Special thanks to our sponsor, Circuit 6-4. Goodbye for now. 
We hope we can get together again for our next episode. Now get out there and enjoy the cars and the people.